Hello and welcome to the Collier County Democratic Roundup, the official podcast of the Collier County Democratic Party. I am your host, Jeff Spencer. We're going to talk about a number of things on today's podcast, but uh, before we get into that with Amber and Linda, uh, let's go over a little bit of the update with the state party and the local party. Uh, Florida Democrats had a really good week over the last couple weeks. Um, uh, particularly with the victories happening in Duval County, uh, the mayor's race in Jacksonville uh, came out with a Democratic mayor win. That's in a Republican-led county that's had Republican representation there for a while, and so uh, getting a win there. But they also won six of the other nine elections that were on the ballot, Democrats did. So it was a very, very good uh, week for the Democrats there, and uh, it's kind of tying into some uh, success that they've had over the last month or so, Uh, not just winning there, but uh, resources are flowing back into the state. The Democratic National Committee has already provided over a $100,000 grant to the Florida Democratic Party. Gavin Newsom and Kamala Harris and Joe Biden have all toured the state and come down and done events here, uh, Newsom in a fundraising capacity. So, there's been a lot of, of movement for the Florida Democratic Party that's that's been uh, to its benefit. Chair Freed has done a great job getting us back into the national spotlight with her opposition to so many of the things that Governor DeSantis has been doing. So that's actually been a, a big boon for the Democratic Party, not just in fundraising, but in uh, visibility, and it's, it's paying off. The White House has also prominently featured Florida in their Investing in America tour, which is a lot of to do with the infrastructure bill that was passed, and so Biden's been making uh, visits down in here. So lots of good things happening at the state level. Uh, Here at the local level, just a couple things to uh, remind everybody. Please sign up for the newsletter. It's the best way to find out what's going on with the Collier County Democratic Party. Also, our legislative action alerts. Democratic Party is pushing for reproductive rights to be put on the ballot here this coming election cycle in 2024. There are petitions going around to add a constitutional amendment to protect reproductive rights in Florida, and uh, the Democratic Party will be working uh, to try to make sure that we get signatures for those petitions so that we can get that added to the ballot in 2024. So please be on the lookout. The legislative action alerts will transition to those types of events and things that are happening now that the legislative session is over with. So please keep that in mind. And then, as always, please consider becoming a sustainability donor. A regular donation to the party for as little as $5 a month goes a very, very long way in everything that we're trying to accomplish. Uh, And it allows us to focus all of our attention on get out the vote and electoral activities as opposed to just keeping the lights on and whatnot. So please become a sustainability donor. It will really help out a lot. Just a handful of dates to keep in mind. DEC meeting, the Democratic Executive Committee meeting for Collier County is happening on June 5th. That's at headquarters at 600 Goodlett Frank Road at 6.30 p.m. June 5th. It's open to all Democrats who are willing to attend. It's a great way to find out what's going on with the local party, so please consider it. There's also a precinct training program and also a meet and greet, so it's a double, double dip event there. Uh, That's happening on May 27th at 9.30 a.m., also at headquarters, 600 Goodlit Frank Road. So if you're interested in any of those, to meet fellow Democrats, find out what's going on with the party and how you can get involved, both of those events are good starting points for you to jump in on. And then lastly, uh, the Florida Democratic Party has the Leadership Blue 2023 event, which is is a conference July 7th through the 9th at the Fountain Blue Miami Hotel. Uh, this is kind of the, the big get-together each year for all of the local parties, all the county DECs get together. They have meetings. They go over a lot of different uh, organizing principles and how are we going to uh, work during the election cycle, etc. Uh, they also have a gala. The gala is at uh, on the 8th, and they always get a, a very good speaker 
they've had Joe Biden in the past. They've had Cory Booker in the past and the likes. So please, if you're interested in it, tickets are $300 a person. You can get them at the Florida Democratic Party website. So please take that into consideration. And that's all we've got for today. So I will be right back with our panel discussion. We at the Collier County Democratic Party are a completely self-funded organization. We do not receive any money from the Florida Democratic Party or the Democratic National Committee. We survive and thrive on donations from local Democrats like you. Each and every dollar goes to activities here in Collier County to amplify your voice and speak up for what we believe. Go to www.callyourdems.org and click on the donate button. We thank you for your support. All right, we're here for another podcast. I've got uh, Amber back. Oh, hello. And I got Linda here. Linda, how are you? Hi, doing good. Good, good. We're going to talk about uh, two topics today, two big topics, two things that can take up a lot of time. So we'll see how, how it goes. We're going to talk about Joe Biden announcing that he is running for president for a second term. Uh, and we're going to dive into the legislative session, which... Uh, closed on May 5th and uh, talk about what's going on there and what we think will happen from that, the ramifications not only for Floridians but also for the politicians who passed many of these bills. So, uh, But let's start with Joe Biden. He announced he's running for president. He has accomplished more than any other president in the last half century with all of the legislative success on climate, COVID relief bill, bipartisan infrastructure bill, bipartisan chips bill bipartisan gun safety bill. He's got over 13 million jobs since he took office. He also has the lowest unemployment rate in decades. But for some reason, polls show Biden lagging in approval and popularity despite all of this success. So guys, what do you think gives in this situation? Why do we think he's having some struggle right now? I think we're reading crappy polls, Jeff. <laughs> you may be right. Crappy polls could be an example, but uh, do we think that's it? Just just a bad set of polls right now? No, I, I mean you gotta any poll you've gotta take off about forty percent of. It. I mean, what I don't even know. What do you what do you think the wiggle room is for a politician these days? What is the maximum amount of approval that they could receive? Well, I think that's an interesting question, and, and um, a, a good thing to kind of consider is uh, 538 uh, did, does this polling where they look at the popularity of each president uh, at the exact same time in their presidency. So basically, you look at uh, Joe Biden today in his whatever it is, 842nd day, and then they look back at the presidents in previous administrations on that same day on what their uh what their approval rating was so joe biden right now is sitting at around 42.4 percent this is at 538's average uh, approval rating 42.4 percent to give an example donald trump around the exact same time was identical 42.4 percent uh at the exact same time in his presidency you go back to obama Day 842, Obama was hovering around 51%, but about three weeks before that, he was down at the 44% range. George W. Bush was higher. Uh, he was com still coming off of uh, September 11th, and uh, the kind of positivity around that, uh, he hadn't gotten well, to the Not low. positivity around 9-11. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Not yeah. positivity around, but the rally around the flag yes. effect yes. Uh, that happened after September 11th. So he was at 65% approval rating at, the, wow. at this point uh, in his presidency. But if you go back to Bill Clinton, uh, Bill Clinton was uh, right around 50% uh, in his presidency. So it, it seems like it's more recent that yeah, I it's, think it's, it's become kind of a... You don't really go above. People are just generally unhappy with uh, politicians. I think it's hard to get above 50% nowadays at, at all. Um, so, I mean, 42 doesn't seem terrible. I think, I think one difference with Biden compared certainly to our previous administration is that we're not 
constantly hit over the head every day with information about what he's been doing, what he's been up to, which is a good thing and and potentially a bad thing. Um, so I honestly, I think even people that voted for him and were fine to vote for him, if they're not somebody that follows politics, they're not hearing this stuff on a daily basis. So they might be feeling, well, I don't know. What has he done? Yeah, we hear about how he's old. We hear about... Uh, you know, the different gaffes that he's made, those things make like joke reels and stuff like that. But if you're not following politics, um, I think even people who are fine with Biden um, and voted for him previously might be lukewarm on him because there just really hasn't been a lot, um, you know, a lot of drama, which is nice. <laughs> but um, so I think that's some of it. And you're not going to get there's 40% of the people you're never, ever, ever going to get. So, and maybe even more than that. I don't know. Yeah, um, nowadays, I don't think nowadays. there's any, There's no way that, I mean, I, I, one thing that I didn't, I didn't go back far enough, but I'm looking at it now. Ronald Reagan, actually, same day, Ronald Reagan had an approval rating of 42.7%, which is surprising because Ronald Reagan won re-election, and I think he only lost one state. It's the largest election victory uh, ever in the history of the country and um just surprising that at this point same point in the presidency for ronald reagan he had the exact same approval rating as as joe biden and ronald reagan was notoriously what was the number one thing people were concerned about with ronald reagan at this time age his age so uh you know i don't think that we need to to read too much into it I, i amber i agree with you i think that you know, it's so hard nowadays to get information out to people. And and in, unless you are just beating them over the head with it constantly, they just, it doesn't seem to get through. I, and, and he has had so much success in terms of what he's been able to do. And, you know, I, I just think that, you know, I think that when we get closer to the election itself and it becomes more about, Biden or an a person or Trump or DeSantis or the alternative, um, I think that you're going to see people kind of rallying back to Biden a little bit, um, you know. But uh, we should probably talk about the age question too, because that seems to be the number one thing that is that is dragging his entire candidacy down. Linda, what do you think about that? Well, I was going to bring that up, so perfect segue, Jeff. I think that that his age and other salacious topics, because, you know, let's be real, infrastructure is not sexy. So that lasted for like a second on, you know, our national news radar. And and I think like the other more salacious things are getting the coverage, like the trouble at the border, the end of Title 42. You know, these things that keep on popping up, like, for instance, uh, Donald Trump's, you know, hellacious performance last night on on the CNN town hall. You know, that was just, you know, line item number one on um, on, you know, all news feeds today. God forbid Biden does something good today. No one's ever going to hear about it because we're all focused on shit, you know? So I think, yes, the messaging is getting lost, absolutely, and getting lost in in respect to the fact that, yes, okay, he's an old man, got you. But God, by the way, when, when Reagan won, I'm pretty sure if we do the math backwards, he, was, he already had dementia, okay? Like the last couple years of his presidency. So, I mean, let, let's talk about ageism in a plain and real fashion here. And by the way, Trump is, you know, just a little bit younger than, than Biden. No one seems to be talking about that. Yeah. I don't, I, I don't buy the age thing. I I really don't. I mean, I hear that everybody says it and they're all, everybody's getting uh, upset about it, but uh, you know, I I don't really understand what the uh, fear is. I mean, because I guess the cause fear he, is him dying, Jeff. Okay, yeah. Well, okay, yeah. But let's talk that out. What, We're what is the fear? We're all dying, Amber. What, what is the fear? What is the fear of, of him dying? What is the word? Um, I, I feel first of all, it's a stupid fear. It's a fear that he's going to die, and then the vice president Kamala Harris will take over, and for some reason, that is a punishment. You know, like a fate worse than death. Apparently. I mean, I get that for Republicans. I understand why they don't like Kamala Harris 
for for all the myriad different reasons. Number one being that she's a woman and of color. So like I, I get why the Republicans are terrified of it. I don't really understand why Democrats should be worried about it. Because look, the presumption around having a president die in office is the worry that the vice president won't be up to the job, wouldn't be able to take over, right? That's that's the worry because that's what happens. The, the, if the president – we've had presidents die before in office and the vice president steps up and they take over. And so it's not something that has never happened in our history – but the worry is is that the person behind them isn't ready. So my argument here, though, is we just left a president who was incompetent. Donald Trump was incompetent. He was not able. He was crazy. He was not up to the job at all. And we got through it. And I'm willing to bet that Kamala Harris is going to be more competent than Donald Trump. So if you're a Democrat and if you're an independent, I don't and you're concerned about Trump, I don't understand why Joe Biden's age should be a concern because the country went through an incompetent president. It we we saw what it was. The only risk is is that the person behind them is incompetent, but we already have gone through that. I don't understand what the well, worry I, is. I don't know that those are standards you want to necessarily aspire to that and, and this is not an, an equal comparison between her and Trump by any means, but just, you know, yeah, she's she's more competent than Trump was, so we're okay. Like, I think what perhaps some people would have preferred is if there was an alternative that could have gone in who was who didn't have the age issue um, but was also qualified. Um, and I think that's where – I think people will rally behind him – once it, like you said, once it becomes a thing, it's just the, it's kind of the, you've got to mentally process like, all right, all right. Well, I just think that, and I hear you. Yeah, I agree with you. I think if you're talking to most Democrats or independents, they are going to say, um, well, yeah, I, I, I would just like someone younger. But I think if you also ask them, you would say, well, do you want all of the things Joe, you want someone who's younger and did all the things Joe Biden did. That's the thing yeah, that I can't I, have it both ways. That's, that's where I'm kind of like, I'm kind of like, well, if you want Joe Biden, if you want all the accomplishments of Joe Biden, you want all the things that he passed because we're all the climate change, the first African-American woman on the Supreme court, more judges, uh, passed, uh, or through the, uh, confirmed through the Senate, the, the all the bipartisan legislation legislation um everything that that he's done it's like we want that but we just want a younger person but who can also win and it's it's like well you know if you look at unfortunately we as you can tell the the media everything is run on optics these days and sadly the records don't have as big of an impact. This is something we've complained about frequently. It's that you have all this circus sideshow that gets all the attention while actual legislation doesn't. Or even like in debates when you ask a question and somebody can just do their little talking points and literally just say air for five minutes. And then the Democrats usually get in the weeds of all the particulars of the plan that then people kind of zone out like you've got to find that middle ground and i think joe has the competency and he has the um you know he's got the record now that supports him but he's still lacking in that other category which is polish and shine and youth and um and i don't think that's necessary i'm not saying that's a requirement either but i think that definitely is something that doesn't doesn't you know it's yeah the it, package it's, it's not the full package and then you've got and i think it's all going to depend really who he's up against because if trump is standing next to him trump like linda said is a couple years younger than him that takes the age thing off i think right there 
I, I don't know that it takes it off the table because I think that Trump is going to hit that and Republicans are going to keep oh, hitting gonna, that point. Yeah. But I think for the independent voter, I think it becomes a non-issue. It's hard to make the argument that, oh, we shouldn't elect an 80-year-old president when you're like, but the one you're voting for will be 80 years old if he gets elected. So um, I agree with you on that. If if it's DeSantis or really any of the other Republican candidates that have kind of announced at this point, um, the age thing is going to be the topic of the entire uh, campaign. They don't want to talk about issues. They're not. They don't really have. Any- well, they don't want to talk about the issues because the issues that they're pursuing are really unpopular, and we'll get right. into that in the Florida legislature, which is an example of uh, of those things. But you know, I just kind of uh, think that people, at least Democrats, need to just take a big deep breath when they're talking about Joe Biden and his age and what's going on. I think he's. He's got a great record. He's remarkably uh, electable. He has not lost an election in a really long time. And Donald Trump has, and if Donald Trump is the uh, nominee, has never won the popular vote in any election he's ever run again. So, I mean, Joe Biden has been doing this for a while. He knows what he's doing. He knows how to get elected. And uh, I think that, you know, as evidenced by the polling that we looked at, we can see that Obama was in a similar position at this point in his presidency. Ronald Reagan was in a similar point in this in this part of his presidency. Bill Clinton had low points in his presidency as well uh, in his first term that he was able to come back and, and be elected uh, to a second term. So this is not abnormal for Joe Biden to be in this position. And I think that he has a much stronger record to run on than a lot of those other uh, presidents at this point in his presidency. Now, we don't know what's going to happen over the next uh, year and a half. There's a lot that could happen. We could go into a recession. We could, uh, there's a, there's a lot of things that could happen that could derail this. But at the moment, I, I think he's not in as bad a position as his polling suggests. I agree. No, I agree. Absolutely. Okay, so the the moral of this story is uh, if you're a Democrat, get out there and support Joe Biden. The Collier County Democratic Party needs your help. Collier County can be difficult at times, but working with a community of like-minded individuals makes it easier. We need volunteers to help us speak up against the censoring of our teachers. We need volunteers to help us stand up for a woman's right to make the medical decisions with her own body. We need volunteers to protect our democracy. Join us by signing up to volunteer at www.callyourdems.org and click on volunteer. Let's get to work. Let's uh, move on to the next topic, which is going to be the Florida legislature. Uh, They ended their legislative session here on may 5th it closed yeah thankfully you're absolutely right it was a doozy um the republicans let their freak flag fly guys and it appeased their base and it appeased the governor uh but it may not have helped them so much in the next election cycle you know we're going to go through this which which bills do you guys think were the most damaging to them politically and then which ones do you think were the most damaging to the state so i think abortion's pretty high on that list for a lot of people I think both ways. That's probably the top top for both citizens and Absolutely. politically. Well, as we have previously discussed, um, that got released at like 11 o'clock at night with practically no fanfare. So that tells you how excited they are about passing that. Yeah, just so everybody knows, uh, the Florida legislature passed a six-week abortion ban that would take effect. Uh, if the Florida Supreme Court rules that a privacy clause in the state constitution does not protect abortion rights. So it is, there is a review by the Florida Supreme Court, but... Yeah, I actually just want to make a point of that because I've I've seen some discussion about this recently and people saying, oh, this, this abortion ban passed and I don't know, you know, I don't know what to do. Um, it is not currently law, everybody, right now. It has been... It has passed, but it is not in effect. So if there's anybody that is 
has a concern out there about their health or health care, just know that it is still a previous uh, restrictions, which was 15 weeks, which is still pretty heavily restricted. But um, there are some options out there if uh, until this goes further. Yeah, so I think, and I think, yeah, and I think that abortion, obviously, from a political perspective, is um, by far the most damaging to the Republican Party. I mean, Democrats have run on this issue in 2022 uh, and largely were successful considering the headwinds that they faced in that midterm election year. Yeah, and in conservative, generally red leaning states. Yeah, in red-leaning states, they had a lot of success running on this abortion issue. And I think that, you know, DeSantis's decision to sign this bill in the dead of night with no fanfare, no press, uh, is kind of indicative of what he he's seeing in polling with, regarding this issue, is that it is a, it is a, a bad issue for the Republican Party. They're, they are going to pay a price for pursuing that type of policy agenda and um democrats should be making this the number one uh number one campaign issue everywhere all the time you should be pivoting into this answer every single time and make it the number one thing to talk about because it is it is something that is real it motivates young voters it motivates women it motivates younger men um to get out and vote for these uh against these politicians uh, and uh, basically uh, to defend a woman's right to their reproductive freedom and their uh, health care. So, um, so yeah, I agree. I think abortion's a big one. One that is coming up right now that's that's hitting the, uh, the construction industry and I would think uh, a lot of the uh, service industry pretty hard right now uh, is this immigration bill uh, that DeSantis is looking to, to sign. Uh, this bill looks at stepping up uh, the requirements on businesses to check immigration status, cracking down on people who bring undocumented immigrants into Florida, and also collecting data about whether hospital patients are in the country legally, which is a really kind of sinister one because hmm. it it is going to Jesus. scare deter people, people, deter from... people from going to the hospital when they're injured uh, because of their worry about deportation. And, uh, and, and that's not even... Uh, for people who are undocumented here uh, in the country, but also the loved ones of them. They may not want to go into the hospital for fear that they're going to get asked about questions of a family member, which is the number one reason why... How, how, they can ask, they can... If they're in getting treated, they can get information about their loved ones. I'm not sure if they can, right. but, but it's but it still going to deter. But it's going to deter... Yeah people from going for the fear of something happening or what if a loved one what if a loved one who is in the country legally gets injured but their loved one is not in the country legally and they don't take them to the hospital because they the only person to take them to the hospital would be the loved one who's not in the country legally and so they don't do anything so there's a lot of repercussions for things like this and uh you know it's gonna it's gonna affect it's gonna affect the construction industry heavily it's gonna affect landscaping uh, industry. It's going to affect farming. It, it, there's a lot of different industries that this could impact, and I'm not sure that they're thinking it through. I don't know if it'll pay a price politically, but it, it is definitely going to hurt, uh, I think, citizens here in their wallet. Yeah. Um, it's it's interesting because on social media, such as Instagram and TikTok, um, people have been posting uh, pictures of work sites that were, you know, uh, in past days teeming with employees now whittled down to kind of like skeleton crew. Um, I saw a post on Instagram where a gentleman was speaking to a large group of, um, of construction employees in Spanish, um, telling them about DeSantis's new law and, and how it, it could in fact, you know, imperil them and, and, uh, send them to jail or, or, uh, you know, eventually be deported. So, I mean, really stunning stuff for, um, you know, a party that considers itself pro-business. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think DeSantis has kind of killed the whole notion of pro-business when you attack the largest employer in the entire state and Disney and yeah. with, with, without any concern for what they're, uh, what they could do. 
Um, His only concern are these these culture war issues. That's that seems to me to be his number one focus, and I think that's not going to play nationally. Um, that's not going to play very well. All of those things. I don't know that it's going to play that well here in Florida. Again, we know. at a certain point we're going to have to get into a review of what happened in 2022. Some of the numbers that I've seen coming out of that election gives me hope that we're not as far away as that election seemed. Really? Uh, yeah. I mean, Republicans turned out at 64% turnout. Democrats turned out at 48% right. statewide. I mean, that's a 16-point edge. Right. Um, and Democrats and Republicans are about even. So that 16 points is about 1.6 million votes, and he won by right around 2 million votes. So we're not that far, especially when you look at independents. If independents were, were down turnout-wise and you're not picking up those left-leaning independents, there's there's something to be said there. And again, Linda, you've brought this up a bunch of times, which is the quality of candidates and making sure that we have somebody who gets people out to the polls. But I just don't think Chris, Chris definitely didn't get people motivated to get out to the polls. And, um, and for some reason, Val Demings didn't either. And so... You know, DeSantis's crew with his, you know, populist, fascist agenda that that seems to really rile up his base were able to turn people out, and the Democrats didn't do so uh, equally. So I don't think it's as bad as as that election seems. I agree with you. I just we need to. I don't know. We need to figure it out. We need to get these people out there. Yeah, that's... and and vote. I feel like I don't know how can how can how can Republicans. I don't know, like all this stuff. I mean, I feel like maybe, I mean, seriously, it's, it's getting to a point. I've just, I just read a friend of mine sent me an article from a, a tiny town in Colorado where, you know, the MAGA folk took over the, um, the school board there. And, you know, they're just running roughshod over everybody, implementing a lot of really crazy things to where even staunch Republicans are like, my God, what is this Pandora's box that we opened? You know, I hope that we have, you know, similar effects here in the state as far as, you know, the, the the cancer that DeSantis has wrought upon us. And, you know, some of the uh, the things that will happen eventually down the road from this unfettered legislation that that um, that has come through the House, you know, this term. I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I'm hearing kind of a couple different inklings here in Collier County about people being dissatisfied. I'm, I'm not exactly quite sure as to what, but there seems to be, you know, drama within the different ranks in the Republican Party. I think there's some breaking of the crazies, like, you know, the crazies who are kind of in control of things and the loudest and the, you know, are spending a lot of money. And are we people... talking about Alfie Oaks? <laughs> People are just going along with things, and I know there's been some dissatisfaction, again, from what I've heard. I'm Sure. I mean, on the local level, yes. You know, the biggest blowhard we have here in Naples is Alfie Oaks, but I mean, I think state-wise, statewide too. You know, it, it all it's, it's all so much come down from the top. What has been enabled? Trump, DeSantis, you know, then on a local level, it's Alfie screaming his head off, but I don't know. You know, I was on a group text with... Um, uh, you know, area moms when when we were having our showdown for Collier County's next superintendent. And, you know, I just grab anecdotal information where I can. And this particular mother, who is a staunch Republican, you know, said she's just feeling sickened by what's happening on a local level here in town. You know, how one person has this outsized voice and is, you know, is garnering change here. But what type of change is it? Is it heading towards what are they doing you know what type of people are they bringing in to our county you know to, and in this case to potentially like you know lead our children so i i don't know i mean we we've said this before i think in the run-up to the election we were like oh there's no way how can people you know like him as he's winning i can't believe this is happening as he led for four years i, I don't understand we just went. I just went super depressed. Sorry. It no, you didn't. I mean, place. and now I'm just like really sad. Well, hey, <laughs> it's I look. I I think you know this is the reality that we're in, and um, 
yeah, it's it's you know locally, I, I got to say, you know, as a former vice chair of the party and and someone who's worked you know a lot over the last eight years trying to get people to turn out to vote and to educate voters and to get them out um, to sign up for vote by mail and all the different things, um, you know, hearing conversations, anecdotes about Republican moms or or you know the you know the the soccer mom or the neighbor who thinks you know oh i can't believe you know like i i've just looked at the numbers too many times in collier county and they just don't move so i don't think that these these concerned citizens hell some of the times i don't think they understand how democracy works i i, I really don't i mean i i think they think Oh, I just can't believe they're doing this. And you're like, well, did you listen to them during the election and what they said they were going to do and how they were going to uh, legislate and how they were going to govern? Did you hear that? And it's like, I, I almost feel like their answer would have to be no, because, you know, 25 years ago, you could make the argument that Republicans weren't saying any of this stuff out loud, that they would campaign on. You know, George W. Bush had a, what was it, a gentler, uh, was it co- uh, compassionate conservatism is what he, he ran mm-hmm. on, was to be a more oh, compassionate yeah. conservative. And I remember that. Yeah, and so it's it's this, you know, they, they were making an effort. I mean, hell, after Romney's loss, the GOP did a autopsy, the famous autopsy report, which stated that the GOP needed to become more compassionate and more concerned about citizens and immigrants and 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 their life experience and to kind of tailor that party and now that went out the window yeah well that that got (laughs) tossed completely but now if you're a voter there is zero excuse for you to not know what these candidates stand for they are saying what used to be quiet out loud I mean, the school board here, we're talking about the school board with, um, I mean, look, and let's just be honest and be upfront and state the positive, which is that all of the effort that all of you guys put out there in calling and showing up to the school board meetings and voicing your opinion and letting it know, uh, letting it be known to the school board members who were there paid off. And, and the right school board superintendent was chosen and and the wrong one was was not. It was a close vote. It was three to two, and it was barely. Well, the two are always the two are bought and sold are in pockets. They were put there on purpose. Yeah. For there, so that is not a surprise. But yeah. Yeah. We were. It was very fortunate, and I just want to mention what since you brought that up, the school board thing. I just wanted to mention one thing. The school board. Um. They they mentioned at the meeting that. They received over 600 emails, letters, calls in favor of Dr. Ricky Ardelli, who was who was ultimately chosen. Um, and over 200 or 300 of those, I think over 300 of those were from parents of students in the county. On the other side, who were in support of the other guy, they received about 200 letters um, and emails. And out of those, they had five that were from parents of children in the county. And they said they weren't even able to fully verify those five, but five who said that they were. And that just shows, I think, like the amount of impact that we have when we when we use our voices um, properly, that it does have an have an impact even in a very very conservative county. Yeah, it it clearly paid dividends. It clearly paid dividends. Um and it shows what can be accomplished when voters pay attention to what's going on. Um and but if if they're not paying attention, then it becomes very difficult because right now the Republicans clearly think, especially in the state of Florida, given the legislative session that we've done. I mean, we've we've talked about the immigration bill. We've talked about the abortion bill. Uh, they also passed a, a gun law that allowed people to uh, carry uh, constitutional carry, uh, which would allow, you know, take away licensing for people who wanted to conceal uh, 
carry a weapon concealed. Um, they took away, uh, they've attacked LGBTQ yeah, community trans. repeatedly, the trans community. The don't say gay bill that passed in the last session was put on steroids and you can additionally can't talk about it. Uh, there's the school voucher bill, which mm. if you got earlier in the, in this season of the podcast, uh, we talked about, uh, we talked about this when it passed early on in the session and, uh, that one is is really, in my view, is going to be catastrophic to the public education system here. It allows... By design. By design. It allows uh, every student, no matter what their financial circumstances are, to receive vouchers from the, uh, from the government to go to a school of their choosing if they want to, which means it's going to decimate the public education system budget. Uh, each year, they're going to have to rethink how they do things. It's really going to be an absolute disaster because once the money goes out, it's out. So if a student decides to pull out and say, I want to go over to this charter school, which is their prerogative. I don't really have a problem with charter schools. I have a problem with people messing with the public education system because if you mess with it, you're going to just kind of torpedo it. And then what do we have? But if that student pulls out of the public education system, the charter school has no requirement to keep them. Yeah. So they choose to go. The charter school gets the funding because the student chose to go to the charter school. Then the charter school says, well, they're not cutting it. I'm going to kick kick them out of the school. So where does that kid go? That kid then goes to the public school. Well, now the public school doesn't have the funding to support that student because it was taken out of the system and went to the charter school. So the public school is going to get all of these students with none of the funding to be able to support them. It is it is an absolutely crazy thing to try to do. It has it is going to decimate the public education system. It is going to be it's one of the worst bills this session and that's saying something, but it is one of the ones that is going to have the biggest impact the quickest in my opinion. Um but we look at these issues, all of these issues that they and and that are now laws that have been passed. And all of these things were clearly indicated in the 2022 election cycle. None of these things are surprising. It's, yeah. not like, it's not like Florida voters went out there and said, oh, I feel like I'm voting for some middle-of-the-ground people, and then they came in and did this crazy thing. No, I mean, this is they were completely transparent about their aversion to LGBTQ community, about their desire to make getting guns easier, about their move to make abortion more restrictive, about their their hostility to immigrants in general. They also passed an election law that made it more difficult for uh, people to register to vote. Uh, it also allows DeSantis to run for president, and not have to resign mm -hmm. uh, while protecting all of his travel history and making it impossible to know what he's doing. So you can't even tell what he did. And it's post-dated, so you can't tell what he did before he decided to run for president. Mm -hmm. I mean, these guys are just doing stuff. Next level. Yeah, they're doing it with impunity because they don't believe that voters will ever vote differently. That's And they're, sadly... They have been correct. But I'm telling you, the school board that happened here in the school board, when, when, when people get engaged, when they pay attention, when they participate, you can have an impact. We are the reddest county in the entire state. Really? Yeah. Fort Myers is the only city, I believe, in the nation that is over 400,000 residents and is conservative. It is that red. That's Lee County. Collier County is even more red. There are more Democrats in, in Fort Myers than or in Lee County than there are in Collier County. We're one of the reddest state or counties in the entire state, and I think the reddest county in the entire state. Now, maybe it depends. Panhandle. Panhandle, maybe percentage wise. Right. But there's more. Oh, for, volume. Vol Southwest number Florida of volume votes. number, number of, votes. of votes. We yeah, are. I gotcha. We are. I got gotcha. you. We are red, and so um, when you when you look at when you look at that, and you see these policies pursued here locally in Collier County, and we're able to still make a difference through the political process of 
just the old fashioned just get involved letters to the to your representatives call show up to the meetings you know make your voice heard those things matter and they have an impact and so it gives me hope for the state of Florida when you throw in the fact that people didn't turn out to vote in 2022 when you when you show that we're depressed that the democratic the 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 democratic party the voters that are registered democratic didn't turn out to vote in 2022 you couple that with some of the the successes around the country around the Dobbs decision and abortion rights and and the active the activating of young people to engage in the political process as a result of those decisions and then you look at what happened here with that school board race it gives me hope if that if we just put the effort in and people just participate that Florida's not completely lost it's not a state that is just going to become Mississippi or Alabama where it's just constantly uh, Republican. I think that you can win here in the state of Florida. It just needs effort and it needs people to stay engaged and to not give up and just wash it away and say that it's, it's hopeless because it's not. Has the National Democratic Party written off Florida as far as funding and effort? I mean, I know other states are more important. I've heard, you know, I've heard it basically is coming down to like two or three counties in the whole country. <laughs> I don't think that look, are Florida decide these things. <laughs> well, let's uh, look, I, th- that's a hard question to answer. I know. If is the democratic party, look, first of all, Clark County doesn't get any money from the state party or the national party. No money from those organizations funnels down into the Collier County democratic party at all. Um, all of it is self-raised. All the money we raise in Collier County is self-raised. Um, so, and that's, and look, I don't begrudge anybody for doing that. We're an extremely red county. I want them to focus their money absolutely, yeah, on the places where they can make the biggest impact. We have 55,000 registered Democrats in Collier County. Okay. If I get a hundred, we got 91% in 2020, Collier County turned out 91% of voters to turn out in that election. Okay, that was the highest of any county in the entire state. Quite frankly, it's remarkable that we turned out 91% of all registered voters that were Democrat, and we got 52,000 votes. Miami-Dade has like 1.2 million Democrats. They increased their voter turnout by like five points, and it's almost the entire Democratic Party in Collier County. So yes, all the money for the Florida Democratic Party and the and the and the National Party should go to those areas. That's where you're going to make the biggest impact. So what happened to Florida in 2022 is that the funding from outside groups like super PACs and outside nonprofit organizations that are trying to affect uh, issue-based items that plummeted. It plummeted. In 2020, there was over... On the Democratic side. Yes. In 2020, democratically-led or democratically-leaning groups spent over $60 million in the state of Florida during the 2020 election cycle. $60 million. In 2022, it was less than $1 million. Um, so it, it, it's just... It, it plummeted. Okay? And... Part of that is because Trump did so well in Florida, despite the $60 million that was spent. So a lot of these donors said, why are we going to put money back into the state of Florida? Um, but I want to point out, in 2018, DeSantis won the governorship in 2018 against Andrew Gillum by 12,000 votes. Or, I'm sorry, about by 30,000 votes. 30,000 votes out of, like, 8 million cast. Bill Nelson lost his election bid to Rick Scott by 12,000 votes. 12,000 votes. And I use this in a lot of uh, fundraising activities that I did for the party. There were 12,000, there were 15,000 Democrats in Collier County that didn't vote in that election. And so, you know, these numbers aren't that far off. The Republicans only have about 100,000 voter edge. 
in registrations here in the state of Florida. It's not like they outnumber us two to one on the state. It comes down to getting people motivated, giving people hope, getting them to the polls, have a candidate that's good and energetic and can communicate properly, get the state party to stay on message and to yes, messaging, please God messaging, stay on message and to hit the right things and to continue to push on it. it. I think if you do those things, I think Florida is very much still a swing state. I think people are prematurely writing it off. The numbers just aren't that bad um, when you look at registration totals. And I think if we get our act together, and I'm very excited about Nikki Freed because I think she's she's on it. She's she is doing totally exactly what you, you need. Jeff. She is out there stumping. It's it's a sight to behold. Absolutely. Yeah, I think she's she needs to she's going to continue to push and she's young and energetic and she's a fighter and she's not willing to, or she's, she's willing to throw punches metaphorically. She's willing to mix it up. And, um, I think that's what we need. And I think if we can get a strong candidate, we look this election cycle, we have Rick Scott's up. Rick Scott's incredibly unpopular. Rick Scott barely won, had to spend $50 million of his own, money against Bill Nelson and he won by only 12,000 votes. I'm telling you if we can get a solid candidate, one that is younger, that is energetic, that can communicate, Rick Scott can lose. Rick Scott can lose this election. Um and people just need to get involved and stay connected to what's going on and don't give up hope because the numbers aren't that bad in this state. Rock on. Okay. Let's do it. <laughs> I'm with you, Jeff. All right. Me too. I'm with Jeff also. All right. Well, that's our show. Thank you to everybody for clicking on. Don't forget to rate us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Please, get involved. Don't lose hope. We'll see you guys next time. So long. So long.